uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, the Bible says that, that uh, a, a three-cord rope is not easily broken. A three-cord rope is not easily broken. In the Old Testament, uh, the, the Bible says that God lived in a tent. He lived in a tent that was made by human hands. And whenever they wanted to a visit with God, they would go into that tent. God's presence lived there. And they would go in there and visit with God's presence in that tent. So you can imagine they would erect that tent and then they would anchor that tent down. And if they didn't anchor that tent down, then winds would blow it away and that it would lay flat but in the New Testament, we know that God lives in us. He doesn't live in a tent made with hands. God lives in you. You know, that's good news. This morning, God lives in you. In order for you to visit him, you don't have to go to a tent and, and go beyond the veil and get into his presence that way. No, the greater one lives in you. And yet each one of us have a need to be anchored down. That if we don't have certain anchors that are holding us to the foundation of the word of God, then the Bible says that every wind can blow you over, every wave of doctrine can get you off course or you could just live flat that you just live without any structure without any guidance or without any understanding that you are a tent that God lives in you and you're standing upon uh, the word of God that faith in his word and the blood of Jesus will give you access to heaven but without certain ropes anchoring you down then you'll just live a life as uh, a, a Christian, but not a Christian to its fullest potential. And I believe Jesus gave us a three-cord rope in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, If you'll take this three-cord rope and anchor it down to the Word of God, then you don't have to be flat or weakened or blown over or destroyed. You can be a house of God that stands and that can be a house that actually people can benefit from. So our three-cord rope, I got my three-cord rope here because I want to talk about one of the other cords. Matthew chapter 6, uh, Jesus gave us this three-cord rope, and he says over and over and over again, he says, when you give, don't give like this, give like that. When you give, don't have this attitude, have this attitude. When you give, three times he says, when you give. So from that, we have to understand that, that Jesus is under the assumption that if we're going to be a follower of him, that we're going to be a giver. After giving, he says, when you pray. When you pray, don't pray like this. Pray like this. When you pray, say this. When you pray, three times again, he says, when you pray. So right there, he gives us the second cord of our rope. As a follower of Jesus, you need a prayer life. You need communication with your heavenly father through the blood of Jesus. The last cord he gives us was the one that we talked about last week, which is when you fast. He says, when you fast, don't fast like this. Don't, don't, don't pout. 
Now what Jesus said, he said, he says, wash your face, anoint your head with oil, throw your chest back, and don't go around whining and fasting. No, he says, he says, when you fast, do it like this. Then he says again, when you fast, do it like this. So all three of those cords are, are, are make a rope that anchor us to a foundation. And I believe that sometimes Christians are, are operating with one cord. Operating with one cord. Maybe Christians are operating with two cords. Maybe, maybe they're a giver uh, and a faster, but they don't spend any time really communicating with God. Maybe they're just a, 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 a giver. Maybe they're just a, a faster. But I believe, most of the time that's not the case, uh, I believe Jesus gives us those instructions. Those are the three things in Matthew chapter 6. He says, when you give, when you pray, when you fast, that if you'll have that anchoring you down, then you can be successful in life, successful in Christianity. How many of y'all know sometimes Christianity can be hard and it can be tough, but it's not because God hasn't given us the tools. It's not because he hasn't given us the instruction. It's just many times we don't want the instruction. But I want to talk to you this morning about the second rope. When you give, we talked about that one. Every Sunday, I always talk to you about your giving because, you know, I know it's kind of popular now not to say anything about giving. Uh, well, you're at the wrong church uh, because, not because we're trying to get something from you, but we, I want to obey the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And if we never talked about fasting, you'd be missing a rope. If we never talked about prayer, you'd be missing a rope. And we never talked about giving, you'd be missing a rope. And then every wind and every wave and every doctrine and every trial, every temptation would just come and would blow you across the desert. And that's not our intention. I believe God gives us the tools for success in every area of life. So this morning, I want to talk about when you pray. Jesus is under the assumption that as a follower of him, you're going to be a person of prayer. Now, I want to go ahead because I know some people check out mentally. Because they think that they're already a person of prayer or, or, or you know, I, because I give the Lord the first 10 minutes of my day, then I'm golden. Because I read my devotional, then I'm ready. But I want to encourage you or talk to you this morning about Jesus and his definition of prayer. What he expects from a prayer life. Because we're in a series of red letters. We're looking at red letters in the Bible. What did Jesus have to say about certain subjects? He said, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. But I want to get into uh, the nuts and bolts and the why. And I want you to kind of forget everything that you've heard about prayer up until this point. And let's just take a fresh look at it and look at it through the lens of Jesus. Because lots of times I'm sure many of you are good people of prayer. But there's three things that I want to give you this morning. Three words. So if you've got your bulletin this morning, three words. All I'm going to give you. How many of y'all think y'all can hang in there for three words? Yes, you can. Three words. If you've got your bulletin, there's three little uh blanks there that you can write these three words in i'm endeavoring this morning this morning this is my goal and, and I'm, I'm begging I, I want you to incorporate this and get this into your life into your into your soul this morning these three things the, the first one is is having a commitment to pray or a consistent 
prayer life. Having a consistent prayer life. For there to be a commitment that you make to be a person of prayer. Now again, prayer can be such a Christian word that has a bunch of spiritual connotations and hang-ups that people feel like it's that way. But, but I don't want you to just have a commitment to prayer. I want you to have a confidence in prayer. So I want you to have a commitment to prayer. I want you to have a confidence in prayer. And then I also want you to be casual in prayer. And I will explain all of these, but a, a commitment, a confidence, and a casualness about your prayer. And I'll explain. But the first one this morning is a commitment to prayer. Jesus wouldn't have said when you pray, when you pray, when you pray, if he wasn't expecting you to pray. He wouldn't say when, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray, if he wasn't wanting you to be consistently a person of prayer. And lots of times we lock prayer down into just a portion of our day. Well, I get up at 4.30, I got to be at the plants by 5, so I have a cup of coffee and me and Jesus pray for eight and a half minutes. Or I pray on my commute. That's when I pray as I get in the car and I put on Chris Tomlin and the spirit falls and I pray in the car. Or after I put the kids to bed, then I get down on my knees and that's my time of prayer. But I want to speak to you or talk to you or encourage you this morning about praying all day. All day. The Bible says to pray without ceasing and prayer is just communicating but I'm encouraging you and, and just asking you for the next 14 days we're, we're we're doing a 21 day fast and I don't want to go through the fast just not eating I'm endeavoring for us to draw closer to the Lord and to do things we've never done and try things that maybe you've never tried so I'm encouraging you to put the devotional down now, I know that can come out weird because I don't have anything about devotionals. I'm reading about five books right now. I mean, I just finished two and I got me three new ones. So, I mean, I'm constantly reading and feeding and all of that's good. But I'm endeavoring for the next seven days or 14 days for you to concentrate all day long on fellowshipping with God. Because I got, I got good news for you. He wants to talk to you after 5 a.m. He wants to talk to you before 9 p.m. He wants to talk to you beyond the commute. He wants to communicate with you all day long. And it doesn't have to be re religious or starchy with a bunch of these and a bunch of vows. It can actually have a casualness to it. I call God Big Papa. Sometimes I call him Big Papa. I call him King. I call him whatever. I don't get stuck into this, you are Jehovah. No, my God, who does that? I'm not doing that. I wake up in the morning and say, what's up, Big Papa? How you doing? Let's get that coffee pot out. Let's rock this jam. Come on, let's do this. Man, if I want some music, I'll put it on. If I don't want some music, I don't. I kind of do better with music. Put something on. But all throughout the day, me and Big Papa just hanging. We're riding on the four-wheeler, we're doing some fishing, working on the computer, whatever. And all day long, there's a communication that's open. 
And, and, and here, if we look, I want to give you this scripture in Proverbs, the same Proverbs that we were just seeing concerning the offering, Proverbs chapter 3. But if you look in verse 5, I'm going to read it in the Holman Bible, which is a little different Bible. I'm quite positive nobody here has got the Holman Bible. If you do, you're the new pastor. The Holman Bible, but the Holman Bible says, uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. Think about Him in all your ways. Very, very familiar passage of Scripture. A lot of people have memorized this one and it's on their refrigerator. It may even be airbrushed on the front of their car. Very popular scripture. Trust in the Lord with all your ways. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy path. But here, if you keep going, He says, Don't consider yourself to be wise. Nobody puts that one on their car. Right? We don't want that. We're not going to airbrush that on the license plate. He says, Don't consider yourself to be wise. Feel the fear of the Lord and turn from evil. This will be healing for your body. And it will strengthen your bones. So here the picture that we have in Proverbs is in every decision that you make. Everything that you encounter throughout your days, acknowledge Him. Lean, put your ear into Him. And especially while you're fasting. Because some of you, whenever you're fasting, you draw near to God and you can hear Him really good. Do I take this job or do I not take this job? Is He a good boyfriend or is He not a good boyfriend? Should I be on Facebook with them or, or should I be doing this? Is this the direction? Much? And if you'll lean into Him, He'll talk to you. Outside of the commute, in every decision of your life, if you'll lean in, he'll actually speak to you. Amplified version of Philippians chapter 6 says, Do not fret or have anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and in everything. Well, that doesn't leave a whole lot of wiggle room. In every circumstance, in everything, by prayer and petition definitive request with thanksgiving make your wants known to God and God's peace shall be yours come on y'all know we could all use some more of this how does the peace of God take over our life and what is that peace he says peace is a tranquil state of a soul assured Lord Jesus that's better than chocolate cake a tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ so that you can fear nothing from God. Oh, so good. And being content with your earthly lot of whatever sort that is and that peace which transcends all understanding. How many of y'all want some of that this morning? My goodness, give me some of that peace that transcends understanding that whenever the bottoms fell out and it's just as bad as it can get, there is a peace that transcends all understanding and that peace will garrison and will mount guard over your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. How, does this, how is this possible? He says, listen, if you'll give God access to every facet of your life and all of your decision making, then with that comes an assurance and a peace that passes all understanding. But it comes from having a consistent prayer life. The second one 
is I want you to have confidence. I'm endeavoring for you this morning to walk out of here and purpose in your heart to be consistent over the next 14 days. We'll start with seven. Over the next seven days, the next seven days of the fast for you to consistently just be listening for Him. And in that consistent prayer life, I want you to have confidence. Confidence. Old Spice Swag. Have y'all seen them commercials? Well, you just put on some of that Old Spice. How did they make Old Spice cool? I don't know, but they did. My daddy's been wearing Old Spice. God bless his soul. Wore Old Spice for like uh, 40 years, and it was not cool. But now the swag commercials come out, and all of a sudden, Old Spice, man, people are rocking. I'm using, oh, I can't even tell you. <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. I feel, I'm, I'm making myself feel old. But I want you to have a confidence. Where do you have confidence in prayer? How do you get that? Because most people come crawling into prayer. Feeling their way around. Like, oh, I'm just, uh, I don't have, uh, whenever I come into your presence, I don't feel worthy. I love, that this really helped me. Years ago, I heard about a minister who's spending time in prayer. And he had a vision of Jesus. And Jesus came into his room. And, and, he, and he fell down at Jesus' feet. And it's just crawling up to Jesus' feet. And it's just telling the Lord, uh, just, just worshiping the Lord. And Jesus tells him to stand up. And he says, oh, I can't stand up, God. I can't stand up, Jesus. I can't stand up. I'm not worthy to stand up. And Jesus looks at me and says, I made you worthy. Glory to God. I made you worthy. In your own uh, situation, you most definitely were not worthy. But whenever I stepped in, whenever Jesus stepped in with his own blood, how many of y'all know he made you worthy? So you don't have to crawl in or, or slide in. No, God made you worthy. And with that worthiness can come confidence. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to understand and sympathize. And he shared his feeling with our weaknesses and our infirmities and our liabilities and the assaults of temptations. How many of you know Jesus went through all of that? He was assaulted with every temptation, every iniquity. He went through all of it. And the Bible says, Yet... He sinned not. He was tempted in every respect, but yet without sinning. Verse 16 says, let us then fearlessly. Everybody say fearlessly. Man, I love God, but I'm just not afraid. Fearlessly and confidently. There's your word right there. He says there should be a confidence and that you can boldly draw near to the throne of grace. The throne of God's unmerited favor for us sinners. How many of y'all were sinners? Come on, but God's grace shined down on us and he's given us unmerited favor and we can draw near, that we can confidently come and we can receive mercy for our failures and find grace to help in a good time for need, appropriate help, well-timed help coming just when you need it. Listen, I'm just I'm telling you this morning, there's appropriate, well-timed help. For you and I. And it's not just regular help. Help me carry my couch. No. We're talking about the King of Kings. And the Lord of Lords. Says that you and I can come boldly. Fearlessly. Confidently. Right into the throne. 
the throne room. Listen, in the Old Testament, that tent I was telling you about, only one person could go in that tent, and that was the high priest. And they tied a rope around his leg so that whenever he went into the presence of God, if he wasn't living right, he dropped dead. And then they would drag his behind out. And they would send the next guy in. How many of y'all glad you weren't that guy? Pull that guy. Well, let me take the rope off of your leg. Now I'm going to put it on your leg. And now get him, cowboy. And then they would send the next high priest in to the presence of God to obtain help for us. The high priest would go in there and he would get forgiveness of sins for the people temporarily. But he was the only person allowed in that holy of holies. But now you and I, we can go ourselves. We don't need anybody to go for us. We can come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain help, obtain favor. You can walk in there in the morning, in your car, wherever you are, and say, God, right now, I need help. I need grace. I need favor. I need peace that passes all understanding. I need it right now. You said I could come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain it. God, I need it right now. Confidence. The last one I want you to get this morning. I want you to walk out of here uh, committed to talk to the Lord for the next seven days. Him be a part of your life. And I want you to have confidence in that prayer. That, that you aren't come sliding in. Even if you did something bad or you did something wrong. No, I want you to come boldly to the throne of grace. And I want there to be, for there to, there to be a casualness about it. Now, let me come correct. Because people take this and, and they, 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 they'll make it seem like that I'm talking about. That I just walk into God's presence and make a bunch of demands. No, that's, that's ignorance. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord, Psalms 111, is the beginning of wisdom. In other words, you can't even have wisdom if you don't have a respect and a fear for the Lord. And I have that fear. Believe me. The Bible says to walk humbly before the Lord. The Bible says to walk softly before the Lord. So there is a reverence that I have. Trust me. I'll lay myself prostrate across the floor. He has my utmost respect. My utmost attention. My utmost reverence. He is my king. My life. My everything. Once more I give my whole self to him. Every day I submit myself under the lordship of Jesus Christ. But I still there's still a casualness about our relationship. My dad could kick my butt. How many of y'all had a daddy like that? My dad was one of these dads that he could whip my behind up until the day he died because he was just a strong, manly man. And even though he could do that, when I got around him, I didn't expect him to do that. Does that make sense? Whenever I got around my dad, even though I knew he had the authority, the power, and the, the strength to whip me, I didn't get in his presence and always expect that. And I wasn't always like this with my daddy. No, I would walk in and I'd say, hey, dad, how you doing? I'd rub his shoulders a little bit. You know, we'd go fishing. We would go hunting. And there was an attitude of, you're my dad, and I respect you, and I honor you, and I love you, and yet... I knew that he could go there, but he didn't. My dad, whenever my dad was, uh, he was on oxygen. You know, he died of cancer. He got, he got real late in cancer. And uh, he was laying in the hospital bed, and he was on, he was on oxygen. And my, I had a 14-year-old nephew that came in, and, and he was disrespecting his mother. And uh, my dad took off his oxygen and says, You want Papa to get out of this bed? 
That was my dad in a nutshell. Takes off the oxygen and says, do you want Papa to get out of this bed? And Ashton says, no, sir. Because he knew Papa will come out of the bed, come unglued from the oxygen, and will be on you like dried egg on a fork. He knew that Papa could do it. And yet knowing that our, that our daddy was like that, that Papa was like that, we didn't approach my dad. We weren't around my dad like that. Listen, Noble Burns has respect for me, but me and Noble Burns, there's a casualness to our relationship that's wonderful. And the number one thing that Jesus did for us and the most astounding thing that he did while on this planet is he introduced God as Father. Let's get to our red letters. Everybody say, Father, Papa. That's what Jesus did for us. Luke chapter 11. I'm going to have to skip Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray, Jesus gave us an outline. And I believe if you read Matthew chapter 6, you'll see all three of those things in Matthew chapter 6. You'll see a commitment to prayer. You'll see a confidence in prayer. And and you'll see uh, that he called his dad father, that there was a casualness that came. Oh, it's so wonderful. That passage of scripture, uh, we're going to look in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Because here you have the disciples and they come and they talk to Jesus. And they ask Jesus, Luke chapter one, uh, 11, chapter, uh, verse 1, Luke chapter 11, verse 1. He says, Lord, teach us to pray. Can't you just imagine this? Just, uh, just, just, this just blows my mind. These disciples are hanging out with Jesus. Jesus can walk on water. He can raise the dead. He can feed 5,000 with loaves and fishes. And yet they didn't ask him. They didn't say, Jesus, show us how to do miracles. Jesus, show us how to walk on water. Jesus, show us how to multiply that loaf and that fishes. Jesus, show us how to raise somebody from the dead. The thing that they asked Jesus was, they said, Jesus, show us how to pray. Teach us how to pray because if we can if we can master that then everything else will follow and they come to him and they ask Jesus they say Jesus teach us how to pray verse 2 I didn't even turn there I got too excited Chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass that as, they were, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now here he gives us the Lord's Prayer. How many of you ever heard the Lord's Prayer? Everybody knows the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Everybody knows the Lord's Prayer. And yet here they ask him, they say, Lord, teach us to pray. And the Lord gives them an outline. Now I've purposed in my heart for this whole 21 days to every day pray the Lord's Prayer. But the Lord's Prayer is really just an outline. It's not to, uh, in fact, Jesus said, listen, don't just pray with vain repetition. But actually you take the Lord's Prayer and expound upon it. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed 
be thy name. And each one of those, uh, I'm endeavoring to just take that prayer and pray it over you guys, pray it over myself, and expound upon it. But the part that I want to look at most this morning in my last few minutes that I got is the next part Jesus keeps talking. Lots of times we end with certain parts of the scripture, but it's good to just keep going a little bit further. Verse 5 says, Jesus is going to give them a story. I mean, I like stories. Oh, yeah, Lord Jesus, tell me a story. So Jesus says to them, which of you has a friend? And you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, and he will say, Do not trouble me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and he will give to him as many as he needs. Now, stop right there. What's going on? Well, these guys asked Jesus. They said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he gives them the Lord's Prayer. He gives them an outline. But now he tells them a little story. He says, consider that there was a, a, a man and he had a friend. And that friend came to the man in the middle of the night. And he asked his friend, he says, friend, I need some bread. Now, I bought some bread I need some nature's own honey wheat with no artificial preservatives colors or flavors and there's no high fructose corn syrup everybody say amen to that says I have a friend that state that has showed up how many have any friends that just show up well I was in a neighborhood well you should have called I was in the neighborhood and thought I would just stop by. Well, this friend has another friend who was in the neighborhood. And he just stops by. And this, it puts this friend in a bad situation. Because this guy's come in the middle of the night. He's come to my house to sleep over. And I don't have anything to feed him. I don't have any bread. And now I need a miracle. I need, uh, I, I need a breakthrough. I need you to help me in this desperate moment of need. So he goes and bangs on the door. Do, do, do. Now, the person that's in bed is supposedly God. And he's banging on the door and he says, I have a friend that's come and, is, and, and needs some bread. Wake up and give me some bread for my friend. And God actually says, no. How many of you ever prayed and you felt like the Lord said no? Last week, every day of my life, still don't have that car. Everybody's got their thing that they feel like, I've prayed, I've asked the Lord, and yet he is asleep. I mean, I thought the Lord's asleep. He's sleeping. Somebody wake Jehovah up. The Bible says he never sleeps, but that's a lie. Because I've been banging on this door for a year, and I need some help. How many of y'all been there? Come on, don't lie, we've all been there. 
you feel like, I'm, I need a breakthrough. I need a miracle. I'm a friend of God. I know about God. I've heard about God. I, I, I've seen other people experience God. And now I need a miracle. I'm out in the cold and I have a physical need that I need for another person. I need some help. And God says, no. But the rest of the story is, is that the Bible says, even if God says no, if you keep banging on that door, do, do, do. How many of you have done that before? Sometimes I come up here in the morning and they don't have the building open for me. Boom, boom, boom. And then after about five minutes, you're like, step back. About to kick it in. You're wanting that door open. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. God says, if you'll keep on knocking, if you'll keep on asking, if you'll keep on railing on that door, because you're a friend of God, God will open that door for you. I mean, I think that's good news. It's good news. It's what we always preach. But we always miss the better part of the story. Because the better part is that God's kids are in the bed with him. And they don't need a miracle. They don't need a breakthrough because they're snuggled up to him on the inside. It's only the people on the outside that are just a friend of God that's not a son of God that need a miracle and a breakthrough. And I submit to you that over the next seven days, you'll commit to have a consistent, casual, fun, confident prayer life. And fasting really helps you snuggle. Fasting helps you snuggle up to God on the inside. You know what I mean, snuggle. My, the wife, my wife's temperature of her hands and feet drops like 40 degrees when we get in bed. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? It's like, what are you, an ice sculptor? It's like, <laughs> we were just fine. And now you get in bed and you want to put your cold hands uh, in, my, in, like in my pits. You know, because I'm warm. And it's like, what, what are you doing? Well, she's wanting that warmth and she wants to snuggle, right? Well, I'm endeavoring for you and I over the next, the rest of this now for 14 days to, to allow this to be a time to where the Bible says draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. In other words, a lot of Christians go through life banging on that door. Do, do, do. I need a miracle. Do, do, do. I need a breakthrough. Do, do, do. I have a need in my life. Do, do. And you keep beating on that door and God's so good, he'll actually answer it. He'll actually go out of his way to answer it. But the better way, the better, the best way to get God to, 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 to minister to you is for you to be on the inside with him. And for you all throughout your day that you say, God, I acknowledge you. I acknowledge you at my job. I acknowledge you in my home. I acknowledge you in my finances. God, I acknowledge you. And I'm trusting you to direct my path. I'm trusting you to give me peace that passes all understanding. I'm trusting you that I can come to the throne of grace and obtain help in the time of need. God, I'm trusting you. I don't always need a miracle because I'm a son. I'm not just a friend. I haven't just heard about you. I don't just know you. I actually have a committed relationship with you. And because of that, then God, I mean, I know if that kid is laying there with God in bed, he don't have to bang on no doors. Do, 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 do. 
He's not always needing a miracle. Do, 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 do. No, he can literally turn over and say, God, I need this. And if God would get up for a friend in the middle of the night, how much more would he get up for a son? Come on, all y'all got, a lot of you guys have kids. My kids come get in my bed a little too more, much more than I would like. And yet I let them. And whenever they're in that bed, if they need something from me, if they got to go potty, or if they're thirsty or whatever, Noble, I might tell him, we'll go get your own water. But Ansley, just being honest, he's old enough now. Get your butt out of my bed and go get your own water. But daddy, I'm glad God doesn't do that. I believe if you'll be a son, you have that consistent, committed, casual. God, I just acknowledge you. God, I just love you. God, I appreciate you. God, I want you not just in my commute or just on my knees at the end of the day. God, I want you all the time. Then he'll come in and he'll give you instruction. He'll help you beyond anything that you've ever experienced in your life. Particularly, I I submit to you the next seven days as you continue to fast and you just keep your attention on him throughout the day. He'll show up. He'll help you. He'll give you guidance. Even with little things. Where are we going to have the wedding? Where's Marlisa? Marlisa's been to like 19 places to find out where they're going to have the wedding. But she says, I woke up this morning and I knew where I'm having it. I believe that the Lord will help you even in the little things. He'll help you. He wants to help you all throughout your day. I got to close. Let's pray together.